If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. The title of our, our message today is simply incredible. All right, incredible. Again, if you need a Bible, raise your hands. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to begin with a story, a uh, true story, of, about Paul Potts from Wales in the United Kingdom. Uh, Paul's father was a bus driver. His mother was a cashier at a supermarket in the neighborhood. Uh, Paul, being a bit pudgy growing up, was bullied a lot at school uh, growing up. So he, he struggled, and he talks about crushing lack of self-confidence his whole life. So for most of his life, he talks about it, he just felt very insignificant, he says, and and he loved singing, but he had such a, a serious struggle with low self-esteem and fear of rejection that it always prevented him from getting out there in front of people. And here's what he says. He goes, I, as I saw it, if I never asked or got out there, uh, I would never get told no. It was just a lot safer that way. So instead, he carried on with his day jobs, and, uh, which included stacking shelves in a supermarket. And then at the time, which you're going to see a video in just a moment, uh, he's just selling uh, cell phones at like the equivalent of a Verizon out there in the UK. But then he gets a chance to be on Britain's Got Talent. So I'm going to ask you to dim the lights. And I want you to watch this short clip of this. Wow. So if you watch the rest of the video, you know, Paul Potts, you know, he, he, he sinks go backstage, you know, after he sings. And, and he has no idea the impact he's had. And he goes, shrinks back in his lack of self-confidence. And, and he ends up going to sing for the Queen of England and, you know, produces his first album that becomes number one in the UK and goes on tour and sells millions of copies. It goes 23 countries, 97 concerts. I mean, his whole life is completely changed. I mean, to this day, he's producing albums. It's really amazing. So he becomes, you know, there he is, you know, new suit, new teeth, the whole thing, you know. He's just, he's a new man. But when I first saw it, I, I got ulterior. I mean, it touched something for me, and uh, I imagine for some of you, because each of us in our own way, I, I think we're like Paul Potts. You know, we're unconvinced of our own gifts. We're unconvinced of our own power. And we forget also that we're surrounded by Pol Potts. And people with hidden talent, shy about being seen, and very low on confidence. And so what we're going to read in this passage here in 1 Corinthians 12 is, Paul is speaking to a lot of people that are low on self-confidence, and he's giving a vision of what it means to be the church, what it means to be the body of Christ. It's an amazing, amazing passage, and not just for yourself, but how we are to see each other. So uh, I'm going to invite you, we're going to look at, if you have a Bible, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read a, a long section, about 15 verses, verses 12 to 27. Uh, because it's such a, it's a lovely passage, and I want you to try to kind of feel it as Paul explains and talks about us as a local church and the body of Christ. He writes to a church in the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth is a lot like New York City, uh, but in ancient times. It's a very big city, very cosmopolitan, multiracial, multiethnic. Immigrants flowed to Corinth from all over the world. But what's happened in this church, there was a few very gifted people that took up a lot of space, too much space, and so you had a lot of people who were feeling inferior, and folks did not have a, a correct vision of really being incredible. And so here, let's read together uh, verses 12 to 27. All right, thus says the Lord to the Apostle Paul, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, 
so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. One part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So here it is. I'm going to make two simple truths out of this passage. The first is, Paul's saying is, you're incredible. You're incredible. Now, last week, Paul, uh, Rich opened up this, this section of Corinthians by, by talking about spiritual gifts, that uh, as, a, as a Christ follower, when you come to Christ, God gives spiritual gifts, and they're not given because of your good, because he's good. And, uh, and so, you know, last week, part of what we read in that passage where Paul says that these gifts are, are incredibly diverse. He goes, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit that distributes them. There, there are different kinds of service the same Lord, and different kinds of working, but in all of them, it's God who's at work. And so what Paul's saying is this, you don't understand what you've got, because you're given gifts. That is, you're given a capacity uh, to offer something. It's given to you. And he goes, you have a, a service. The way, it, the way this thing is, is worked out is going to be different for every one of us in this room, and then there's different kinds of working, or in other words, this power gets worked out in all kinds of different creative ways. And so, and he said, you know, to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And what he's saying, he's emphasizing over and over again, to each one. Every single one of you in this room, you are incredible. You've been given a manifestation of the Spirit of God by his power for the good of other people. It's a miracle, pure grace. So just as there are, there are many plants in the world, there's actually 800,000 types of plants. That's a lot. And growing. In the same way, Paul gives a list of some samplings of gifts in the Bible, in the New Testament, but they're just a sampling. There are hundreds of thousands of different combinations and workings of these gifts. So, for example, you may be a, of a gift of teaching. Well, the way that works out could be very different. It might be one-on-one. -on -one. It might be in a small group. It might be in a classroom. It might be speaking to large groups. It may be training in your workplace. It's all going to manifest differently. For some, it'll be sermons. 
sharing of Jesus, being a, you know, evangelistic. You, you have a capacity to help make it simple that people can understand who Jesus is. And maybe you're great at it one-on-one with certain types of people, maybe, again, in groups, maybe in stadiums like Billy Graham. Hospitality. Some of you have gifts in hospitality. It works out so differently. It might be you're, you're the one who, who hosts your small group or cultural group in, uh, in, in small settings. It might be you use that hospitality gift to create community in your neighborhood as well as in, in events here at church. It might be you're, on a bigger scale, you're thinking about New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve and how all these folks coming in can feel you know, safe and, and warm, and that's your gift that you bring to the table. Some, you know, many of you are pastors. I mean, tremendous at pastoring people. When people get near you, they just feel love. They, just, they feel it, you know? And you're great at it one-on-one. You don't call yourself pastor, but this gift flows out of you, and people around you feel it. Again, it could be one-on-one, small groups, large group. You may actually be a pastor. Uh, I, I mean, we have people in our midst who are poets, professional poets. We have composers. We've got painters in our midst. Uh, we've got actresses and actors and directors and playwrights who are on Broadway in our midst. They're just gifted by God creatively. We've got musicians who play in the worship team. We've got musicians like Onaje who travel and write music and produce albums. We've got intercessors in our church that are faithful at prayer meetings. We've got some of your intercessors praying for certain ministries, like the success groups or, or our work around the world, and, and you're, you're pivotal to what's going on in the church. But it's often behind the scenes, but you have a gift of intercession. Some of you have gifts of crossing cultures. I mean, we're all involved in crossing cultures and pray, praying, but some of you have a gift. You just move in with people from all over the world without even thinking about it, and you just do it effortlessly, and it, it's just so smooth. Some of you are teachers of, of teaching English as a second language in our, in our classes, some of you with youth, some with children, some with senior citizens, some do sermons, some do classes. It works out all differently. We've got people like George and Ed who run our building. And they're craftsmen. And the Bible talks about people who are great with their hands as gifts in the body of Christ. And that's why our building is as beautiful as it is as we've got folks with their gifts released to slowly making it beautiful. Jerry and I uh, met a fellow uh, a few times from New Zealand, who is, he, he calls himself a curator of space. And curators are usually in art museums. They, they, you know, the pieces of art come in, and a curator lays it out, the lighting, the walls, the space, so that we can appreciate the beauty of the art. Well, he is a, is a designer of worship places, making room such that it brings people to God. And lights, buildings, walls. And so he says this, all the time, he says, if you're a designer, and we have some designers in our midst, he goes, don't leave your day job behind you. Your gifts, bring them inside the church because we desperately need your gifts to help us worship and help us meet God. And again, many of you are leaders in different realms. Leaders are those who have influence. Some have a little influence, some have more influence. And again, that works out so differently for so many, all of us in this room and as we help lead other people uh, like a ship, young governors, I think of ESL, I think of community development, I think of our church. But you gotta hear this. You are a unique combination, like nobody else in the world. You have been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You are incredible. And your combination of talents, gifts, history, passion, experience, stage of life, we don't have anybody like you. And Paul says, I want you to know something. You're incredible. But the problem is, we struggle, oh, I'm sorry, here's some of the gifts Paul mentions, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, and, and 
and they're out here. Then we've got speaking gifts like prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues. And then we've got prophesying and serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leading and showing mercy. Then we've got lists even in Ephesians 4 like apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And again, they're just a sampling. Remember, there's 800,000 types of plants. There's that many types of giftings in this room. And all those listings of Paul in the Bible are just meant to be a sampling of the incredible diversity we've got in this room. But the problem is for many of us, we feel like we don't belong. Like, I, I don't feel very incredible. And, and so, and that was the problem in Corinth, especially as they looked at folks with more spectacular gifts. Because now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Or if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, I would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And so we say, you know, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm Paul Potts, like, like I sell cell phones. And... Uh, so here's some of the comments I've heard, I, I, and I've heard a whole lot more after first service. You know, I'm just new to this church thing. Like, I come in here, like, like you're telling me I'm incredible. Like, it's very intimidating to be in this room. I mean, people here know how to, that when, they, when they pray to God, they sound so eloquent. I don't know what to say. You know, I'm stammering. You know, I don't really fit in with these Christians. I mean, they know the Bible so well. And, you know, or, or others say, I'm new to the country, Pete. You know, I'm I just came to America. I've been here just a couple of years. I'm not even an American, you know, and, and uh, you know, I don't even feel like I fit in yet. Uh, how, can I, how can I do anything with my gifts here in the midst? Or, or my accent is so strong. I mean, I still get words mixed up in English. They don't want to hear my bad accent. And says, so, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really that part of, I'm not as important as other parts of the body. Or I'm too old, Pete. You know, I'm old. I'm old, real old. Yeah, we know. No, you're old, you know. Or, Pete, I'm just too young. I mean, I, I don't have experience, and we know that too. You know, we got children here. We got folks in their 90s at New Life. We got the whole spectrum. Um, you know, I don't have an education. I, I didn't graduate high school. You know, I, I meet all these people at New Life. They're educated. Or I have folks who are highly educated and say, well, I'm not. The problem is I'm highly educated. I don't fit in, you know. And, or, Pete, you have no idea of where I come from. You have no idea of what I have done in terms of bad things. I carry like a scarlet letter. Or you have no idea what's been done to me. I'm like, da I'm like damaged goods, dirty. I mean, I know for myself, <clears throat> you know, I felt, I always felt behind. And it came out of my family of origin, out of a family with abuse. And I remember I came to Christ at 19 and I had some upfront gifts. But I couldn't, I couldn't step out. I just was like so, um, I just felt like I, I just, I shouldn't. I just, I didn't have it in me. I, I was always behind and trying, all these Christians knew so much and what did I know? And I'll never forget the first time I, 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 I spoke, I was speaking and I, and I said, all right, now let's all stand up and pray. And like everybody stood up. I was like, wow, like wow, like wow. I was so used to being powerless. It was like so weird to like say something and people actually did it. I didn't feel incredible at all. It was a very, very slow process. And, and um, you know, because like many of you, you hear your whole life, you can't do this. You're stupid. You don't, you don't know. You're a loser. You don't know what you're doing. You hear, you hear criticism your whole life. And some of you come from families or, or cultures where all you heard was it wasn't enough. Well, you've got millions of miles of tape in your brain that you're not enough. So, so when you hear you're incredible, you're like, yeah, right. Right, and, 
Um, but the Bible is amazing because you know what's so incredible? The Bible tells a story, for example, of a, of a runaway slave. That was his label, runaway slave. His name was Onesiphorus. He's found in a book of Philemon. History tells us he becomes the bishop of the city of Ephesus. But he was a runaway slave. But that wasn't who he was. He was incredible and becomes a bishop. We met a Filipino housework keeper who became an elder. She was an elder in the church which her employer attended. She was incredible. Didn't matter if she was the housekeeper. She was the elder. She was gifted. We had a fellow in our church here who since passed on to be with the Lord. His name was Reggie. And Reggie uh, was labeled special education uh, as a young child. And uh, for his whole grammar school and high school. And really, he was just dyslexic. But at that time, he, went to, he was in a poor neighborhood. They didn't bother screening dyslexia. So they just put him with special ed. So he said, he would say, my whole life, they just called me retard. Retard. He comes to Christ as he graduates high school. It's in our church here. And he finds out he's dyslexic. But he's not stupid. And he goes and meets dentists and lawyers and doctors who also have dyslexia. He's like, oh my God, my whole script could have been different. And it turns out he was a gifted teacher. So he starts teaching at New Life. He's teaching all these classes. And some of you remember Reggie. And I'll never forget walking into class one day at New Life. And there's Reggie teaching. Reggie, big guy. And in that class was, was, a, was a fellow who had a very privileged upbringing in education. He graduated in Ivy League school. And I thought to myself, I was just watching outside the window. I'm thinking, isn't that something? I said, Reggie has no idea. He's incredible. And I said, that is the body of Christ. You are incredible. And what God will do with you. And, and he did it. And so, you know, do you understand? Like, like, if you don't step into your incredibleness, what we're missing as a body, I mean, you are the body of Christ, Paul says. You're incredible. And each one of you, no, I'm not. No, each one of you is a part of it. You've seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? You'll watch it for Christmas. You know, Jimmy Stewart. If you know the story, it's a great one. You know, he wants to commit suicide because his life is meaningless and an angel shows him what life would have been life if he never lived, if he didn't live out his life. And it's a beautiful movie, you know, and if he's never been born. And some of you know the parable of the talents, you know, and Jesus told about how you've been given talents, you've been given gifts, and, and many of us, we bury them. We bury them. But you understand, you were given those gifts as, a, as pure grace. It's not yours. It was given to you to give away to other people. And you're incredible, and it's in the giving away of it, we become what the Bible calls the, the body of Christ. And Jesus died for that. You've got a purpose, you've got a meaning, God's got something for your life. Your life is incredibly significant. So I know if I say, say to me, I'm in, you know, you're incredible, you're like, I'm incredible. No, you're incredible. I'm incredible. It's hard to say. It's hard for us to believe, but that's what Paul's trying to say here. So that's why it's so important for you to be receiving from God your gifts discovering them, experimenting with God, listening to other people help you even discern it, and then offering them to other people for the good of other people as a gift. Because they're gifts. You don't own them. They're simply meant to pass through you to other people. But there's something else Paul's saying here. He's not just saying you're incredible. He says you're surrounded by the incredible. You look around the room. You're incredible people here. Now you look around, you say, they don't look so incredible to me. You know, I know these people. People are a mess, just like me. They're human. They're filled with flaws and weaknesses. And so often we don't see it. 
But the Bible's really clear about this body of Christ, you know, that it's incredible people, but who are also flawed and uh, weak. So we have Moses, who was a murderer and had a bad temper. We've got people like Hosea, who was married to a prostitute. You've got Jeremiah, who was manic, depressive, probably, you know. You have, we have Elijah, who's suicidal. We've got Noah, who got drunk. We've got John Mark, who quit, who was a quitter, quit on the Apostle Paul. We've got real people. You know, you look around the room and say, these people are weird. Yes, they are sometimes weird. But you, you find what you're looking for. If you're looking for all their failures and weaknesses, you'll see them all. But if you're looking for the incredibleness of God in them, you'll find that too. That's one of the beauties of the gospel, that both are true. And so the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, you're weird. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you either. In other words, in other words what's happening in, in the Corinthian church and what happens to us, the Corinthian church was blocking out the incredibleness of other people. They're blocking them out. They were narrow and they were judgmental. And so what happens is we too can block out other people because they're not like us. And, and we judge them and we're narrow about it. And but see, it takes a lot of maturity to be able to really appreciate differentness and really appreciate uh, diversity. So what happens is, as a result, there are, we have churches that this church has a certain dominant gift. You'll see churches are filled with all these people who are evangelists or churches which have a, it's all about teaching or churches that are prophetic churches or churches that are intercessory churches or churches that are all about community development, serving the poor churches. But you almost gravitate by certain gifts because we're more comfortable there. And we don't see the incredibleness of the rest of it because they're not like us. Then we've got churches by social class. We've got churches for really rich people and churches for poor people and middle class people. Uh, then we've got churches where everyone looks like us, same race, same culture, same country, same age. I like that we, 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 we feel more comfortable. But the Apostle Paul says, no, no, what makes the church incredible is that it's safe to be different that you're surrounded by the incredible, actually, and it's really different than you. That's what makes it so incredible. And we're actually called to respect differences, our, our, our separateness. And that's why Paul says, remember, we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, he says, you guys are super different. I mean, these were, these were massive racial, cultural, social class divisions in the Roman Empire. Slaves and free, I mean, as different as could be, but you're one body now, Paul says. You've, been, you've, you've all drunk of the same spirit. And so what happens is we tend to divide, you know, we have a lot of differences here. We've got, you know, differences of culture and race. We've got African-Americans, we've got Caribbeans. We've got every country of Latin America, you, you put, and, and each one is so different. You've got Ecuadorians and Colombians and Peruvians, uh, you know, Dominicans. You, you've got, we have Africans from different countries. These African countries are such different cultures, whether it's Ghana, Nigeria, Zimbabwe. You've got Europeans from Eastern Europe, you know, very different, Romania and, and, and uh, Russia, from, from Western Europe, from, from the French and the Belgians. We've got Chinese and Indonesians and Filipinos and, and Sri Lankans and Indians. I mean, these countries are so different of Asia, and here we are. And, and it was so interesting. So, so what happens, it, it's uncomfortable. And so this fellow named Robert McRae, uh, he did this massive study and mapped out how even... There's personality traits of different cultures. It's really interesting. 
And, and uh, so really, it's a kind of a massive study. I don't want to go into the, all the nuances of the study. But he raises the question, for example, you can have Asians and Westerners watch the same classroom interaction and come to two totally different con conclusions. One will say, one will label it, well, that's good class participation. The other will label it, boy, they're just talking a lot of nonsense, aren't they? And he, he, he talks about, and you see in the chart here, like certain cultures, he argues, are, are more tend toward an introversion, valuing silence and kind of humility and sensitivity and quiet, while Americans, and often in the West, have an extrovert ideal. And so he's like, he argues that Americans are among the most extroverted people on earth as a culture. And so you got churches, actually. Have you ever been to a church of introverts and a church of extroverts? It's quite... You, you can feel it when you walk in the room. And uh, they're very different. And people actually tend to move to churches like that sometimes as well. But rather than see, you're incredible, we say, I don't think I like that. I don't really want to be around those people. They seem so cold. They seem so loud and bossy. They never listen to anybody. And so what happens is we end up looking down at people different than us. And, and uh, we want to make people like us. Or we become, we become apathetic versus saying, you're incredible. You, you, I'm surrounded by, by the incredible here. So we don't say, ah, oh, those Latinos are so emotional and huggy-kissy, you know. Ah, <laughs> oh, those folks from the South, those Anglos, oh, they're so cold, those Midwesterners, you know. and They're so cold and icy and structured, you know. And all oh, those Presbyterians and all oh, those Anglicans with the candles and all that stuff. And, you know, and we judge people's music. We judge their hair. We judge their clothing. And we don't see that. We're surrounded by the incredible. Now, you all know this group, the Beatles? Now, now I, I, got a, I had a big, big after first service, I had a big discussion about whether it's Michael Jackson or the Beatles who've sold more albums, all right? So I don't know. I don't know. You know who, the, who are the biggest, you know, selling bands in, in the 20th century? But the Beatles were clearly one of the most famous bands uh, in the 20th century, selling well over a billion records. Uh, so still, they're still selling. Uh, so Paul McCartney, there was four Beatles, Okay. Now, one of them was named Paul McCartney. Now, Paul McCartney went to uh, Liverpool Institute of Music in the late 1950s. And they asked him, uh, Paul, did you enjoy music at school? And he said, no. They said, Paul, did your teacher think you had any talent? And he said, no. Now, George Harrison, another one of the Beatles, also attended the same school. So they asked him, did your teacher think you had any talent? He said, so the fellow said, uh, we don't know this. It's very possible that they had the same music teacher. It was a small school. So here it is. This music teacher had half the Beatles in his class. <laughs> and he saw nothing incredible. He missed it completely. You know, Elvis Presley went to a school in Mississippi, but he was not allowed to sing in the glee club, in the singing club, because they said he would ruin their sound. So, we often don't see the incredible in people around us. We just see, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not even sure I like this. I don't know where it's going. And Paul says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. In other words, Paul's saying, on top of that, in the body, we don't just see the incredible. We, the people that are, we call the phrase on the margins. In other words, they're outside the mainstream. Uh, these are the people who are not on People Magazine or Glamour Magazine or Vogue or Time Person of the Year. Uh, they're kind of invisible. 
Paul says, these are the people we give very special honor to. We, we, we have a special incredibleness for them because the world doesn't. So in the body of Christ, it's very different than the world. He's talking about people who are poor. Have you noticed that none of the candidates are pushing, I represent the poor. No, everyone's in the middle class. Everyone wants to help the middle class because that's where the votes are. But the poor are not going to be emphasized. That's not going to be anybody's candidates because they're on the margins. Uh, the unstrategic people, the unimpressive people, the, the folks who are orphans and widow and foster care, those who are disabled, those who have uh, mental challenges, those who have mental illness, uh, are normally, they're, they're outside the mainstream. Here at New Life Fellowship, no, no, we, people may treat them as weaker and less honorable. We treat them with special honor. The addicts, those who maybe the criminal justice system has labeled you for life as a felon, but not here. We treat you with special honor here. Maybe you're an immigrant without papers and you're hiding in the shadows. Not here. Paul says, no, in the body of Christ, we see the incredibleness of people. And we actually treat them with special honor, says Paul. I just love that, you know. And so, we as Jesus says, when you have a party or a banquet, you invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame to come in. So a church ministry that's for beautiful people and for cool people and for beautiful people, Paul knows nothing about. That's not his vision for the incredible body of Christ. That's not what makes it incredible. So we need people who are on the margins. We need them in the center of our midst. Why? Because they teach us about love. They teach us about tenderness. People who are on the margins, they ground us about what's important. It's not competition. It's not about power. It's not about making it. The whole push of the world is to be big. Folks in the margins ground us that we're not big. We're flawed and weak like everybody else. And we discover we're just like each other and we get in touch with our humanity. We actually get in touch with God. That's why folks in our body who are incredible very often look like they are the ones nobody wants to be with. And I love that. That's one of my favorite paintings of Jesus on the breadline. You know, this German artist that, that very often we don't even realize it's Jesus that we're with on that breadline. And Jesus says, I, you know, I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And uh, you gave me something to drink. You, I want you to look around. You're surrounded by incredible people. Incredible people. And so it's really important that you get engaged. Sometimes you want, you, you want to call them out that you're incredible. You know, you're incredible. Because they don't even know it. They're Pol Pots. You want to listen to people's stories. Tell me your story. Tell me your passions. Tell me about yourself. You, you want to listen to folks who cannot defend themselves. You may be new here. You say, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm a student. I know, but you're here. You want to talk to the 92-year-old Ruth. Tell me about yourself, Ruth, because you're incredible. You want to talk to the six-year-old at Children's Church. Tell me about yourself, honey. What do you do for, for fun? And, and you want to listen. There's such a richness. It's, there's such an incredibleness in this room right now. We're, this is only one of three services. It's called New Life Fellowship Church. Because in this body of Christ is such incredible richness and power and diversity that's meant to be a gift, not just to each other, but to the world to be a blessing. And the synergy of coming together, and this is something that the American church doesn't know a lot of. People go to church to be entertained, get blessed for their individual walk with Jesus, and they go home. God says, no, you're incredible, and I've given you gifts. Pure from heaven itself, you didn't earn them. And I put some opportunities for those gifts to be uh, honed and sharpened 
and now you've had experience of getting beat up and knocked around, and now those gifts have matured, and they are meant to be a blessing to the world. You're incredible. In fact, you're to call out other people to be a blessing. That's why Paul writes later, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Some of us, we've buried our gifts. The flame is barely flickering. And the Lord says, he says, I want you to fan that flame, that gift into flame, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. Love that verse. There's nobody, not just at New Life Fellowship like you, there is nobody on earth like you that brings what you bring to the table. You're incredible. So we want to be open to the Holy Spirit, the gifts he has for us. The gifts come in so many different ways. You know, even before you come to Christ, there are seeds of gifts that are in us. I mean, I, when I, every time I walk on the boardwalk or I walk by a store and I see these palm readers and psychics, my family used to really be into all that. And I, I know a number who've come to Christ. You know, I say to myself, those people are prophetic. They don't even know it, you know? They're getting words and Im images and, and it's just going in the wrong direction. Some of you, you, you've had seeds inside of you before you even came to Christ of passions and, and gifts. I, I met a woman who... Uh, lives in France now. She's from Hong Kong. And, and she told me about how, as a young girl, she just had a, a love for everything French. She studied French in Hong Kong in school and French culture and French history. Then she came to Christ in college. She went there as an exchange student. She ended up moving to France. And she serves with the church there. And now she's, you know, she's in her 50s, 60s, and she's given her whole life to live in France. But there was a seed put in her as a little girl to love France before she even knew Jesus. Some of you had, have seeds in you, and you know it. And, and you're, you're incredible. And those seeds, you got to fan those into flame. Because God put that in you to be a blessing to others. Some of you, when you came to Christ, you were given gifts. And to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And, and you've got to discover, what are they? What could they be? And, and, and experiment. Try some things out. And wow, does this fit? And, and listen to your passions and connect. We are, like the, we are meant to be like the book of Acts. We're so like open to this incredibleness of these gifts inside of us, that things are just happening. Like, like ministries happen, like a, out, even beyond our church. Like, like he's talking about success groups. I think of some of you are involved with the EHS and, and our work around the world at New Life Fellowship. New Life Fellowship is kind of a, it's going in all these directions creatively because that's, that's an evidence of the Spirit of God and the incredibles getting released. You're Pol Pots. And then along the way, sometimes someone lays hands on you, get prayer, and God gives you another gift that came out of nowhere. Came to Timothy. Timothy was a fearful guy, afraid to lead. Paul lays hands on him, and he becomes a leader, a gift. And Timothy's like, I don't know, you know. He's like Paul Potter. I don't know. I sell him. No. Paul says, fan that into flame, Timothy, because God puts something in you. Beautiful letter, 2 Timothy. I love what Paul Potts says. I'm sorry. Oh, Mike, go back to that. Sorry, go back to that Paul Potts picture. He says, after that uh, clip you saw, he says, I was so nervous, I was shaking like jelly. He goes, this has changed my whole life. I used to feel so small and insignificant, but now I know I'm Paul Potts. And this is what I'm supposed to do. George, you're incredible. And you've been given gifts, and those gifts are meant to be given away. They, they don't belong to you. So what, what does it look like for you to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And if you don't know what your gifts are, just ask God. Ask some people perhaps around you.
And then maybe you want to, actually, some of you want to call some people out around you because they're incredible and they don't know it. And they need to be given the opportunity and the conditions and the space to actually come out. So we're going to take communion together. I'm going to ask you just to bow for just a moment. And just take a minute. And ushers, you come forward to get ready here for the communion and worship team. The Lord God says to you, you are incredible. And you are surrounded by the incredible. I want to invite you to just say to the Lord, here I am, Lord. What are the gifts inside of me, Lord, that you want to fan into flame? What might be God's invitation to you? May you hear that word of the Lord, that you are incredible. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just take a moment just before the Lord and to close our eyes. and uh, It's a silent moment. And maybe you've buried your gifts. Any forgiveness you need to ask right now from the Lord, just you want to do that in his presence before we take the Lord's table. with a prayer we pray together. It's a prayer of confession. I want to invite you to pray it with me and uh, receive his love as we do. All right, let's pray it out loud together. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives, denied your goodness in each other, ourselves, and the world you have created. Repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Give, restore, strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only you. So Jesus took this bread, he gave thanks. He said, take and eat, this is my body. He took the cup, he gave thanks, he offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, this is the blood of my covenant covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's receive forgiveness, receive his love. Let's take Jesus in together. Amen. Let me invite the uh, prayer team to come forward to your right. And uh, as we close, some of you are not done. I mean, I wish we had a, a you know, couple of hours to talk about, you know, how do I discover and discern my gifts? But for now, uh, I want to invite those of you to come forward. One, who you've buried your gifts, whether through laziness or fear or distractions, uh, and you know that. And you just need to come forward as an act of, like, 
repentance or turn to God and say, okay, Lord, I may not know what to do, but I'm, I'm going to get up from burying these gifts you've given me. Uh, and you need to come forward and kind of make it public. Or maybe you need to come forward for prayer, for courage, like Timothy needed courage to step out and, uh, you know, to fan into flame that gift of God. And, and you want to just come forward for folks to lay some hands on you for the power of God and maybe some gifts to get released into you. Or maybe you're just incredibly judgmental and God just spoke to you on that. Whatever it is, prayer teams will be here to pray and uh, there is great power released as we do that for each other, okay? And they'll be here. So I want to invite you to open your hands up towards heaven like this. God. So hear these words of the Lord that you're incredible, the Lord says, and, and you're surrounded by the incredible. So may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May the Lord open up your eyes that you may see the incredibleness of who you are, that God may rip off shame and guilt, and the Lord may replace that with a sense of honor with a sense of your beauty, with a sense of your incredibleness. And may God fan into flames by the Holy Spirit those gifts inside of you. And may your life be a gift of goodness to all those around you. And may not only you be that gift, may you see other people's incredibleness and call it out of them that the world might know Jesus is Lord. So be blessed, I pray, as you leave this place. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, thank you.